When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Hello and welcome to another episode of Matt and Judd's Hockey Adventure. Judd, how are you enjoying your hockey adventure? Um, it depends. Some days, some some weeks, I watch the Wild and I say, this is fun to watch. Some weeks I watch the Wild and I say, I'm not enjoying my hockey adventure. Well, this weekend you did not enjoy your hockey adventure because the Wild had gotten a little hot there. They had won a couple of games in a row and really good in overtime they won three of uh, four in either overtime or a shootout of their four-game mm-hmm. win streak. But then when it got to the weekend, they lost to Connor McDavid, and then they lost to Patrick Kane, kind of showing us still that the Wild are a, a pretty flawed team. What stuck out to you from the hot run, and then what happened this weekend with the losses? I guess what stuck out to me from the hot run was what, what you just said. The OT wins. The morphing of this team in OT is unbelievable. I mean, a month and a half ago, they were lost in, in OT. Their three-on-three was terrible. They started Koivu and Suter, and they'd take the face-offs, and then they'd stay on the ice, and they were as slow as I am, basically. And then they'd stay on the ice some more, and then you thought to yourself, I think they should get off the ice. Oh, there's a goal by the opposing team. <laughs> yes. Now, now... Since Boots has since Boots has had basically um, the the come to Jesus, and his folks told him, Boots, do this, play fast, people. It's a different world. It's great. Uh, so that's one. Two. Uh, what stood out to me is on Thursday uh, to end to end what was the win streak. They beat Toronto. Um, Matthews didn't play. Disappointing. But because of that, Babcock played that dump-and-chase trap style. Yes. Awful, awful to watch. Any reminder of that style makes me absolutely want to puke. But the Wild won two zip. And then on Saturday, really fun game. Oilers come to the X. The Wild loses 3-2, but they skated like hell. Um, so basically what I'm saying is, is when the Wild played in a trapping style, they won, so they got the points. But it was far more entertaining to, to watch a loss. The Oilers are fun. They're up and down. Defense is not great. But, Matthew, let me tell you this. If you have the opportunity, fans, if you have the opportunity to watch Connor McDavid play in person, take it. The man passes the puck like it's a bleeping feather. <laughs> I mean, watching him, watching him pass the puck and skate and see openings that you're like, no one can see those. It's Gretzky-like. Watching McDavid play is a treat. It is it is one of the few things that is easily worth the price of a ticket, which in this day and age in the National Hockey League is not cheap. Um, 
what stuck out to me during this run and then against uh, Edmonton as well is Matt Dumba is looking a lot more like we hoped Matt Dumba was going to look that at the mm-hmm. beginning of the season he had some struggles he had a game that he blew on a really bad turnover and he made some decisions that were making us pull our hair out but he's also now come through with the other side of the Matt Dumba game which is offensive excellence and his goal against uh, Edmonton was just fantastic I mean the, it, it's not just shooting the puck and it's not just passing the puck, but it can be getting into the offensive zone smoothly. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. he made a little move to get into the zone and then a little give and go there and then a great shot that ends up beating the goaltender. And that's exactly what you hope for with Dumba. And there was another goal that he scored earlier this year where there was a little fake shot and then he took a couple of strides and then let one rip and scored. These are the offensive things that we're seeing from Dumba that – are the reason they decided to move heaven and earth to keep him and not send him to Vegas or not have Vegas pick him up or not keep Scandella and trade him somewhere else instead. And I just pulled up the analytics of all the defensemen. They are scoring the most goals with Matt Dumba on the ice. And now with Jared Spurgeon coming back, I'm with you that I'd like to just see that pair with he and Ryan Suter stick together. Even if Suter doesn't love it, um, I think that that's a pretty good pair with Suter and Dumba, and they should stay that way and have Spurgeon raise up somebody else's play. Amen. Exactly right. I mean, there's no reason, and we, we've t- talked about this a few times, there's no reason to put Suter and Spurgeon together when separately they're both really fine. They're good. Uh, Dumba, but by the way, in the past two games, so the, the, uh, they lost to Edmonton and Chicago. Dumba has all three goals. <laughs> so Dumba yes. is your uh, so in the past two games now, as we discussed this, Dumba is your offense, basically. And, yeah, I mean, is he ever going to be anywhere near perfect defensively? Absolutely not. Can he score goals? Can he rush the puck? Yes. And so if Suter is responsible, which he ordinarily is, if he is responsible, it makes perfect sense. Leave them together. And if Suter comes to you and says, well, I think I should go back with Spurgeon, you say, Ryan, we're paying you a lot of money. You're going to play with Dumba. Because Dumba, when he was paired with different players like Brodeen, looked sort of lost to me. Yeah. I mean, there were times where he looked lost. And you could tell he wasn't sure he wanted to take the puck and go. But there were times where you could tell he wasn't sure. And and his problems are when, when he gets indecisive, he makes mistakes. So, yeah, I mean, this is something where they have found a combination that works. And, and if he's going to provide your offense, leave it. Um, also, Alex Stalock. Alex Stalock can play goal. Alex Stalock, so Dumnik suffered, I think, what's being uh, reported at least as a, a knee injury uh, against Calgary. Stalock came in, has played in essentially four games since. Alex Stalock has played fine. And here's the thing. Two things about Stalock I really like. One, the fluky goals, for the most part, disappear. I'm so tired of shots from the corner, right? Shots from the corner go in. Weird angle shots go in on Dubnik. Uh, the other thing, and in the game today, to me, this is really important, Stalock can play the puck. Man, can he play the puck. Mm-hmm. There, mm-hmm. there was the Oilers game, which, which was a quick game. The Oilers game, he made a save, and everybody, the benches, the players on ice, the fans, assumed that he was going to glove the, glove the puck. He gloved the puck. He dropped it and played it down into the Oilers' zone, 
But I love that. And in today's league, I really like that. So Alex Stalock, career backup, can he sustain this? I don't know. But there's nothing I'm seeing now to say that this guy shouldn't play more, even once Dubnik comes back. Well, we we wanted to see a backup goaltender play more last year, but Darcy Kemper never gave them the type of goaltending to do that. Um, And and then Stalock was given a couple of opportunities, but not much. Uh, With Stalock and whether he's going to regress, there is one stat that would indicate to me that there will be a little bit of regression there. It's that when uh, they're on the penalty kill, his save percentage is 915 right now. And over the last two years, it was 813 and 848, which is kind of which is kind of typical. Like right now, the uh, Wild have the third best penalty kill in the NHL, and it would appear that part of that is an inflated save percentage from the goaltender, and that sure. would, that would be likely to regress a bit. His even strength save percentage, which is usually much more stable for a goaltender from year to year. Uh, is pretty much on par with his career. Right now it's 922, which is okay. I mean, that's pretty solid. It's not great. It's uh, The great goalies are over 930 for even strength. But if he mm-hmm. stays around average, which is where he is right now overall, then, okay, you've got good enough goaltending to win. But my concern would be, Judd, if he does struggle a bit at times or go through a rough patch on the on the PK and that save percentage drops, where is the offense going to come from? Uh, because as you mentioned, uh, Mr. <laughs> Dumbo was the o- yeah, Mr. Dumbo was the only guy that uh, scored over these last couple of games, and you know. uh, they had very few high-scoring games during this run uh, where they were good. It was mostly two to one, three to two, and they had this great strategy of just trying to get to overtime and then giving the puck to Matt Dumba. But I, I'm still, <laughs> I, I remain concerned about offensive production from this team uh well you should young man now i think the last time that that we did this podcast i advocate advocated the fact that the wild had put their top six forwards together at that time and i think they had just done that and i believe when they started it it worked well unfortunately since then in the past two games basically all four lines have gone quiet um let's go to the most important one though let's cut right to the chase miko koivu who you signed to a contract extension um, before this season that's going to kick in in 2018-19, two-year, $11 million deal, okay? Mm-hmm. I am I am holding in my hot little hand, Matthew Collar, I am holding the um, depth chart for the Wilds' last game at home against the Oilers, okay? On this depth chart, among the forward lines, Miko Koivu is listed as the top center, Nino to his left, Granlin to his right, all right? So we are talking about a guy who at the very least is your number two center, but with the chart that, that the team issued here was your top center. Miko Koivu didn't score in that Oilers game, and he also didn't score in the Blackhawks game. He has now not scored a goal in 24 games. Oh. He has no points in his past 11 games. In the Oilers game, he had essentially to the he was standing to the side of that, had the puck, what amounted to a wide-open net, he hit the post, it, the puck carried off the post, went off Cam Talbot's back, and he made the save, so he is a little bit snake bit. But I'm sorry, 24 games is, it's not a small sample size, and it's not snake bit. 24 games, he has not scored, I believe the date, if I'm not mistaken, is October the 28th, all right? And after the game, 
Boudreaux was asked again about it, and Bruce talked about, yeah, but he brings a lot of intangibles, and he's unbelievable defensively, and he's always doing something good. But when you're paid like this, when you are listed, at least for this game, as the top center, and if and if nothing else, if you're demoted, it's going to be to the second line, we are not talking about the ability to go 24 games without a goal. Those are my thoughts. Okay, well, my thought is uh, this was super predictable. <laughs> Yeah, when, well, we talked about it. You're right. When we looked in the off season, as they were making moves and when they re-signed Koivu, now he will score some more because right now his shooting percentage is 4.7%, career shooting percentage 9%. So he's likely to have a few more pucks going in. But he's only got 86 shots so far this season, which just isn't really that many if you're talking about a top six center who gets a, a lot of power play time. He's... He hasn't put 200 shots on goal since 2009-10. So he's not okay. he's not a guy who's getting a ton of shot generation where even if he's getting bad luck, he's still got pucks going in. Someone like Alex Ovechkin, for example, takes like four to five shots a game. So, I mean, you're talking about 25, 30, 40 shots a week. And, yes, yeah, some weeks those will be down, but you'll still score. And then when you get hot, you score a ton. Not that Koivu needs to be like Ovechkin just to – you know, demonstrate the point that you're not going to get any luck if you don't put a whole lot of shots on net. And he's never been a high-percentage shooter. He's not a sniper. He's kind of a guy that just has to shove the puck in the goal when he gets close. And it worked last year, but it hasn't worked uh, so far this year, and that shouldn't surprise anyone. And it really says what your point was going back to when they signed Koivu long-term, that you know, this is a player we all like and works extremely hard and is great in the defensive zone, and you appreciate him as a number three type center and not a $5 million player. I mean, this, right. I mean, this is just not a guy that you would project out as someone that you'd want to pay that much. Now, I did hear something interesting, Judd. Let me get your mm-hmm. thoughts on this. I was listening mm-hmm. to uh, the Hockey Central show, which is out of Toronto. They've got guys like uh, Nick Kiprios that hockey fans have heard of. And they were discussing with uh, Elliot Friedman the salary cap. And the expected salary cap is supposed to be around $80 million next year. So it will be going up and potentially offering a little bit of relief and maybe soften the blow of a contract like that and some of the other contracts for the Wild. So that could help a bit. But with Koivu the way he's playing now, unless he gets blazing hot, I mean, if you end up with 30 points or 40 points out of a guy that you're going to pay that much at his age, that's really scary. Oh, yeah, definitely. And and it, the thing the thing that strikes me about this is is I never, and I still don't, I don't understand the need to provide the extension. Let him play his contract out. And if he wants to come back on a cheap contract, fantastic. And if he doesn't, okay. It's just that my problem with the extension is, is is multifold. One, you're right. The cap bugs me because the cap has not gone up, and if it's going to go up now, that, that's fantastic. But what also bugs me ab- about this is, at some point in time, you need to start cycling through these veterans. Right? They need to leave. I mean, they need this team. This team seems to have this core group that they love, and they're aging, and they're getting older, and they're progressively getting a little bit worse. And I, so I guess what I don't get is. If Koivu gets to the end, end of his, or if he had gotten to the end of his current contract, and you said to yourself, "Okay, here's the offer, one year, and it's you know pretty cheap," and he says no, you say 
this gives us a chance to get somebody new. So I, the loyalty here, it's, twi- it's old school twins like. It confuses me. It's not necessary. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, this is pro sports. This isn't a country club of, well, we love Miko and he's, listen, someday if you want to bring him back and, and stick him in some ring of honor thing, go, go for it. But I don't get the need. I don't get the need to lock him up. And, and I watch him now. And here's my, here's my concern. I think if you watch him now, he's lost a second step. A couple of years ago, I said, I think he's lost a step. And, and he came back last year, and I thought played pretty well. And so I said, okay, that's fine. But if you watch him now, I think he's lost another step in this game now, Collar. And this is the thing about the sport now. And this is why I'm not a fan of, of really long contracts. This league has come, become so fast that decline is quick. Mm-hmm. This isn't the 80s. I mean, you can't just say, well, he slowed down, but we love him, and he's a great guy. And you know what? He can just stand in front of the net and score goals. If you watch games now, this league is at it. I mean, they move at a speed that is phenomenal, and mm-hmm. it's fun to watch. But once you lose that step or two, you're pretty much cooked. You can't keep playing. And if you do, you shouldn't get paid much. Let me ask you a question. I, I agree with all that. Where does Zach Parisi fit in this lineup when he comes back? I will tell you what I think. I'd like to see Matt Cullen back down to the fourth line. Joel, mm-hmm. uh, Yoel, Joel, Jewel. Yule, Joel. Um, wait, wait, wait. J, it's capital J-U-H-L on the pronunciation guide. Okay. Jewel. Jewel Eriksenak. Yes. Uh, I'd like to see him to center. And I would okay. like to see Zach Parisi on the third line with Eriksenak and I guess Felino or whatever other winger that you want to throw on that third line. And here's yep. my here's my thought that I, I wouldn't want to break up the stacked top six just because it hasn't scored in two games. I like that a lot. Having all your best players in the top six, I personally would flip Zucker with uh, Nina Ryder from the other night. Where I would I would just stay with that Koivu Granlund Zucker line that has worked so well for a long time. Um, yep. But but that's fine. Just have all the six players there and have Parisi try to bring up the play of the rookie and also not take a huge role right away. Do not ask the guy to play twenty one minutes a game right away. Have him more of a 13, 14 minute type role. And then if he's playing really well, then you can move him up. And I know what you're going to say. I know you're going to say he's not going to accept playing on the third line and playing 12 or 13 minutes. Well, he will at first, not long term. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like where you're going with this. Let's continue to play this out. Eck to center, Cullen fourth line. Winnick to the wing. Why is he at center, by the way? He's your fourth-line center, or, or he was against the Oilers. Because that they have no sense. one else. I mean, they have okay. no one else. Ennis can't play center. Felino can't play okay. center. There's no Ek one else. Eck to center. Cullen to fourth-line center. Yeah, I agree with Here's that. Here's the other guy I want up, and I want him up now, and I want him up with Parisi. Cunning? Yes. Why is he in Iowa? Yeah, I, he, I agree with he that. Should be, he should be playing. Zach Mitchell, I believe. I'm sure he's a great guy, by the way. But but Zach Mitchell, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, is more of a journeyman type of guy who Boudreaux likes because he yeah. works hard. Okay, Cunning is your future. I want him up here. Um, 
here's another problem, too. And we haven't talked about this nearly un- enough, but we will now. September 15, 2017. Let's rewind the wild clock on contract talks. Marcus Foligno was signed to a four-year, $11.5 million deal. Marcus Foligno now has been scratched two of the last three games. Uh-huh. Once again, I'm guessing he's a really nice guy. Seems like a nice guy. I don't care. He's taking up roster space. All right? Zach Mitchell, Marcus Foligno, heck, your your guy, Chris Stewart, to a certain My degree. Guy. Well, but, I mean, to a certain degree, he is, too. Although although I think he's got a little bit more. But my point is, Conan should be up here. And Zach Mitchell, like, the Wild drives me crazy because they're sort of dipping their toe in the we're trying to win water. But they're doing it with some of the wrong people, I think. Uh, with the Marcus Felino thing, I mean, don't get me started because well, I can't help it. It, it drives me. It just because it, it it goes back to the basis of why this team can't score and why they're struggling as compared to last year. And when you trade, here's what I don't get though: that you know, with the Minnesota Vikings, who I cover every single day out there at Winter Park. Yes, yes. you got to blow the got to blow the got to blow the gal horn if we're gonna. Slide in a Vikings you're gonna talk Vikings. You're gonna slide in. Yep. Okay. So, so I sat down with uh, Rick Spielman at the bye week, and I asked him some questions about how the roster was built on the defensive side. And you know what he always kept coming back to is Mike Zimmer asked me to go get this, so we found it for Zimmer because that was his vision for the defense, and it, and it applied to like every position I asked him about, every player. Well, we wanted to keep Everson Griffin long term because. Zimmer says he fits in the defense. This was even before he was sacking sure. everybody. This was when he was a part-time player that Zimmer loved him. And, yep. and now here's, here's what's crazy is you have a general manager that went out and got Marcus Foligno and Bruce Boudreaux is scratching him halfway through the season. That There is a clear disconnect there that he's got the two guys that this GM traded for. One is on the fourth line and the other one is a scratch. I mean, how, how how does that end up happening? And and I know that neither one of them is a very good player, so that's probably where it goes <laughs> Yeah, you from. told me that six but, months ago, Colin. But, but why was – I mean, it, Bruce Boudreaux would have coached against these guys. Was Bruce Boudreaux not in on that decision to bring in Marcus Foligno? Because it, it, I can't imagine Bruce Boudreaux, a coach of his caliber, watching those guys, coaching against those guys, and saying, yeah, yeah, those are two guys we well, really need to get. Well, you know what? Let's do this. Let's deconstruct what I find to be a really stupid narrative or storyline. All right. I understand the Wild wanted to, and they should have, dumped Pominville's contract, okay? Yeah. It wasn't a good contract, which, by the way, was their own damn fault because they signed him to a five-year extension, which was really tantamount to a six-year extension because they signed it early. Um, I get that. But there's this notion out there, and this, this is the one that I absolutely love because it's such BS. Well, they had to trade Scandella with Pominville to dump the contract, so they had to make that trade. You don't have to give Scandella away. Right. The, the, the backside to the whole move with Vegas, which, by the way, cost you two good players. But the backside to that whole thing working, in my opinion, was the importance of you kept Scandella uh, away from the expansion draft. Now you have him, but you know you're going to move him. Well, you have to move him in a very wise manner. Instead, they got two guys who are giving them absolutely nothing. I mean, if, if you look on a game-by-game basis, Felino does absolutely 
so little that he's to the point now where he's scratched two of the past three. Ennis isn't, you know, he, he had to be scratched and came back and scored a goal because I think he works hard if, if, he, if he's been scratched. There, this notion that you had to give Scandella away, Matthew, is ridiculous. You didn't have to do that. You needed to make a smart trade, and instead, as you just said, you ended up with two guys who I think the coach probably can't stand. Now, let me ask you a question. To demonstrate how poor this trade was and how much it hurts this team, let's say you traded Jason Pominville and Marco Scandella. You would have created four million and five point what three or five point five, so you would have created like nine million dollars in cap space, right? Yeah. By just trading those two. Yep. W- would you rather have Ennis and Felino or nine million dollars in cap space and not be locked into two players for the, at least the next two years? I mean, that's the the part of it that really drives me yeah. crazy about this trade is that you signed Felino. And Ennis already had a 4.6 cap hit. So these guys, you saved a little bit of cap room, but these guys are taking up over $7 million of cap space between the two of them. What could you have done this year in the free agent market with $7 million in cap space? Could you have found better players to fill out the roster than you had here? Or could you just keep them and keep that cap space and have opportunity come the next free agent period because this is a winning team and that they've proven they can get free agents here you would have been able to spend that the next time around and felt like you had dug yourself out of that hole or how about maybe just keep scandela instead and just dump pominville off to somebody i mean that well that's the other thing if you had scandela now you'd be in much better shape you would have been better off if if you had if you had done this you would have been better off giving pominville away Yep, yep. You would have been better off basically going to a team that could use a guy that could score some goals and saying, give us whatever you want for him, just take his salary. And we don't care what you get. And they would have gotten heat for it, and the contract that they signed Pominville to was a bad contract. But, yeah, I mean, you you now have two forwards, one of whom you just signed to a bleeping extension, who are going to be albatrosses around your neck. And I think... I think that they're going to. Here's my guess, and Fletcher probably won't like this, and he'll he'll resist it for a while. My guess with Felino is they'll eventually try and and send him down. Don't you think? Oh yeah, I mean because and I mean how can you trade pass through waivers? You can't trade a guy with with four more years on his contract, and it'll be embarrassing for Fletcher. But my guess is Boudreaux is going to go, go to him and say, I'm not going to play the guy. So if you want to keep him here, he's going to be in the press box eating popcorn. But I I really think when you look at that deal, as much as I like the fact that they kept Dumba, as much as I like the fact that they seem to or- orchestrate things, and as I said, the Golden Knights got two good players. Yeah. But at least at that point, it seemed like, like the Wild had a pretty good idea of a strategy. Until you go to Buffalo and you get these two guys. That's not a strategy. That's a mistake. I didn't mind the move that they made to ensure that they were going to keep Matt Dumba. I I know that Alex Tuck has impressed people out there, but I'd rather have Matt Dumba. I think it's a rare talent to have a defenseman who can guide you in scoring for a week. Uh, I, I don't think that there are many defensemen in the league who are as dangerous offensively as Dumba, and that's of high value in the NHL now. Compared yes. to a winger who I think is just okay, right? Um, but so here's a, let me throw a scenario at you, Judd. 
Mm-hmm. Trade deadline. Right now, the Minnesota Wild are one point out of a wild card spot. Let's say that when we get to the trade deadline, they are one point out of a wild card spot. What would you do at that point? <laughs> what would I do, or what do I think they would do? Uh, what do? Uh, let's well, just give me the answer to both. Okay. What Judd would do is this. I think I'd bail. I think I'd bail, and I think I would trade. If I could make trades that would improve my club, that would land me draft choices or prospects, I'd do it. I look at this roster, and I'm telling you, I see what I've seen, what I've been saying for six months now, Collar. I see stuck. I see you're stuck. And I think you can make the playoffs, but I think once you do, do I have faith that, that this team can advance? And, I, and and we can go through the whole, well, it's a it's a roll of the dice once you get in the playoffs in hockey, and it's, it's all luck. And it, Okay, just stop for a second. When I look at this roster, do I see a roster that's constructed to be good for the long term? My answer is absolutely not. I see it's either it's either aging or at, at some points disappointing. So personally, I would bail. I think. Um, however, if I'm Chuck Fletcher, let's see. My owner at the start of the season said Stanley Cup or bust. I yep. probably got at least two high profile players knocking at my door to tell me what I should do. I got Boudreaux, who I gave the job to, to win now, also knocking at my door. Uh, so I I fear this team would give up more draft picks and or a young player to acquire a guy who they, they think can score goals. But, Matthew, I go back to last year. I mean, the trade with, uh, what, uh, the Coyotes didn't mm-hmm. work out, right? Now you've lost more assets. So... I look at this roster, and I really think, I think the honest-to-God smart play with young kids coming up, um, it would be to say, you know what, we're not going to make the playoffs, and I'm going to get enough potential young assets to continue to build because we've got to get younger, and we've got to start dumping off some of these aging players. Uh, One of the problems is that they don't really have anything to dump off at the deadline outside of Chris Stewart, which you could easily trade him and then just slide up somebody else, and, and you wouldn't lose anything. If you brought Cunning back up into the mix, uh, you're you're probably improving there rather than uh, losing much with trading away Chris Stewart. But that's really the only thing you could do in a fire sale. You're not going to trade Matt Cullen. That would be disrespectful. He moved his family back here. He's from here. Oh, He's 41. I'd trade him. You just, can't, you just can't trade him. Hey, question for you. Would you trade Granlund? Yeah. Oh, I mean, we talked about this in the offseason. Of course I would trade Granlin. I mean, I, so have, would I. I have always thought that last year was the top of the mountain. It was not climbing the mountain. It was the peak. It was the best Mikael Granlin you are ever going to see. A 69-point performance, but a lot of that was in the power play. He was not the best 5-on-5 five five player they had last year. And at that point, with him being an RFA would have been the highest amount of interest around the league, and you could have potentially reshaped your roster. But, you know, Judd, I thought of somebody else who you could potentially make a hockey trade at the deadline. I love that term. Or the guy that you really missed out on trading this offseason, potentially, if you wanted to reshape the roster, which is Jonas Brodeen. That we've seen him regress kind of back to the Jonas Brodeen that made me question him. I remember you and I talked about that before last year that Mm -hmm. I thought, yeah, I don't really know about Brodeen if he's going to fit. And then he had a nice season, but here we are with him not 
really making a huge impact. And there are guys across the league that you can find that fill that role. But the thing that you had last year was high value for him that other teams, this is the, this is the problem. It's all economics with hockey. It's, is my asset at its peak? We talked about it with Koivu, we talked about it with Granlund, and I would say the same thing with Brodeen, that with mm-hmm. Scandella, that asset was what it was going to be, but for the rest of his career, it was consistent. Where Brodeen had had downs, and then he had ups, it was volatile, and now we're seeing some of the downs again. Last year, you probably could have convinced someone, no, 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 this is the real Jonas Brodeen. This year, I think that's going to be harder to do, but since he's 24... million cap hit. There's more Mm -hmm. potential to move him for a game-changing forward still, I think, than almost anybody on this roster. Dumba's an RFA, but you want to keep Dumba because of his offense. Who else are you realistically trading? I mean, you're not, you know, Stahl's got the no move. Koivu's got the no move. You don't want to trade away. Niederreiter, Granlund is the one that would be in a hockey trade, but everybody else, no one's taking Felino. No one's taking Ennis. You probably don't want to deal away Zucker unless it's a really good hockey trade. Brodeen is the guy that stands out to me, um, though, the, you know, again, that ends up leaving you with a hole on defense. Actually, I would go to Stahl, and I would, if I could find a trade with a, a legit a Stanley Cup contender, yeah. I would say, yeah. I would say Eric, because, and his no trade is not full. Right. I, right. I, I would go, I would trade him in a heartbeat, and I would shop him aggressively because he's playing pretty well. He could help a team. The other, the other semi-young guy that I would definitely shop, Charlie Coyle. Yeah, and years late, years late w- on shopping Charlie Coyle. I, but I mean, I, the the younger guys that I would shop, Granlund, not a touchable, Coyle, Brodine for sure. The problem I have with moving Coyle is that his cap hit is so reasonable for a long time, and that even though he does have his shortcomings and his frustrations, three point two million dollars for a guy who can score twenty goals and have hot streaks is a pretty good deal. But I, I think that what you're saying, it speaks to kind of the shape of the team, the, what the team is as a character in itself, and yes. the culture of the team is everybody we go through, outside of Stahl, who is a, just a great player, and he's on the other side, but he's a good player. But outside of him, you could say for anybody, well, they've got their ups and downs. They've got their ups and downs. They're hot, they're cold. Niederreiter is the guy who's consistent because he's such a good possession and defensive player. Mm-hmm. But, Very good player. But, but with a with a trade for Coyle, all of these things, when you go through them, this is a lot of this is GMs fall in love with players and convince themselves that the player's peak is the reality. That's Marcus Foligno. The Marcus Foligno that <laughs> Chuck Fletcher saw years ago is not Marcus Foligno. I covered that guy. I covered the guy who looked like the next Milan Lucic. And, and for a couple of weeks, he did. And then that was it. He's never looked like that again for years. He never had even stretches of looking like that. But what stuck in the GM's mind was what he first saw in his first impression. And that goes for a lot of these guys. That might go for a Charlie Coyle where he thought, oh, yeah, when that guy's hot, he's amazing. And that's the real guy. Well, it isn't. You know, it isn't the real guy. And Coyle's a guy that for years I said, He's, he should play wing, and he is a power forward, and he's going to be spectacular. And I kept saying it, and kept saying it, and guess what? It hasn't happened. Um, but I think what I'm, I think what I'm trying to say is this: I think that I would go with with the collar plan of starting to blow this thing up, and you, and you're not going to do it in full, but I would certainly be looking to make make some moves. And and I think we are to the point now 
where with, with this uh, group of kids at then at, at the time that played a, uh, a crucial role, at least partially, in, in when they ousted the Avs from the playoffs a few years ago. Mm-hmm. We now know what that group is. Nino is very good. Granlund is extremely streaky, and if he gets in a skating game, he's really good, but there's way too many nights in, in this league where it's not that. Coyle is as up and down as, as it possibly gets. Uh, Brodeen is steady, but far from spectacular. And so I don't think we're now saying to ourselves, the upside is still there. I think we're saying these guys basically are who, who they are, and that doesn't make them bad players, but I don't know that they're all great fits. And I would definitely be, at least be exploring the path of saying, what can we do right now to trade a guy off that list of players that would get us a head start on, on improving? Because if you look at the roster right now, you don't look and say, man, I expect this to be really good in a year. You look at it and you say, okay, it might be improved because you, you will have some prospects coming up. But for the most part, this roster underwhelms you, this current one. It underwhelms you. And, and that's why if I was them, I would start to get guys up who you like. And Eric Sinek, to your point, I agree. Move him to center. Move Cullen back to fourth-line wing where he'll play for the, the rest of this year perhaps and then retire. Uh, but this whole thing of, of push, 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 push because because they think they're good, I think is mistaken. Well, and if you think, by the way, that it can't happen, oh, you'll never just make a trade and end up with a, a guy who's going to score you a bunch of points or whatever, that's just too hard to do. I present you the St. Louis Blues and the Nashville Predators. The leading scorers for the St. Louis Blues and Nashville Predators this year are Braden Shen, who was acquired this offseason in a hockey trade, and Philip Forsberg, who was a deadline acquisition where they, the Nashville Predators, a middling team for a long time with no superstars, got their franchise player, a point-per-game player, superstar Philip Forsberg. They got him in a horrendous trade for the uh, Washington Capitals. But nonetheless, a team was desperate for a player, and they traded an older player away and got a former first-round pick who has become a superstar. And this is what the Wild should look at because Nashville blew right through their opportunities. They, yep. mean, they, they got in the playoffs year after year. They couldn't get past the first round, and everyone said, well, they missed their shot. They fired their coach. They made this one trade. And, of course, the Subban trade is the luckiest thing in the whole world. No one would be stupid enough to trade P.K. Subban, but here we are. Oh, oh hold on. Bergevin was... <laughs> I mean, it's uh, Bergevin and Peter Shirelli are just oh sure blow me away. How does Shirelli have a job? How does Bergevin How does... have a job? He made well, the, he made one of the worst trades ever. Anyway, damn you for damn you for bringing up the Preds because the Preds are if you're a Wild fan, the Preds are exactly what you should want to be. Yep, the Preds make trades. I mean, look at this. The Wild the Wild is starved for for centers right and everybody out there says you can't get a center you can't go out and get a top two you know how tough the, you got to sign Koibu to an extension because you'll never find another center and Nashville goes and gets Kyle Turris right right and Ryan yeah. Johansson a couple years back well, and and, so, and and Braden Shen is picked up by yeah. St. Louis so and, and what do they give up you for can't do it what don't do they give up for Yori Latera who's a bad yes. player I mean there are there are GMs out there there, there are. It's like the haves and have-nots. There are ten GMs in the league who are real smart, and you wouldn't even make a phone call to them. And then there are another at least dozen who do the most brainless things all the time. And it just, I mean, how about even 
Okay, so Jonathan Drouin isn't doing too badly in Montreal, and I didn't entirely disagree with that trade, but Mikhail Sergachev is a freaking star in Tampa Bay. And it's just and how like, good are they, by the way? How good are the Lightning? The, unbelievable. They're unbelievable. <laughs> and it's not going and it's not going anywhere because they're a stacked team. So here's a yep. GM who gives away one of the top defensemen, offensive defensemen in the league this year. And, and another GM who gives you your number one score, and another GM who's trading away a former first-round pick for a washed-up guy, a veteran. I mean, this happens all the time in this league, and that's that's the thing is all this conversation with us and the Wild, I mean, it could be flipped on its head with one deal. If that deal is yes. there and they're willing to break up this team and not believe in, in the, some of the moves and some of the guys that they've locked themselves into – if they can stop believing that they're all of a sudden going to change, then you could make a franchise-changing move because we've seen so many teams do it over the last few years. Yeah, exactly. And and that's what I'm saying is if you look at this roster as currently constructed, what is the incentive not to do that? Yep. To not go make a, a potentially major trade and to get players or prospects or, you know, it's just – the centers, Matthew, for the Oilers game are listed thusly. Koivu, who, as I told you, has now not scored in 24 consecutive games. Eric Stahl, who I like, but he's old. I like him. Matt Cullen is your third-line guy. Matt Cullen, God bless him, but Pittsburgh was the perfect fit, right? Go in some face-offs. You're playing on a Stanley Cup contender. It's a perfect fit. Now he's here. And being asked to probably do way too much, so it's been abysmal. He's got, uh, at least going into the game against the Oilers, he had two goals in 30 games this season. And Daniel Winnick was your fourth-line center. That's not the recipe to win hockey games, my friend. No. No, you know what? And And even if you make a trade and you take a risk and it blows up in your face, and this is what this is how I would look at uh, Ottawa. I don't like a lot of things that Ottawa's done over the years, and I thought they were fool's gold last year. They got carried by an all-time great player, which Eric Carlson is. Uh, but the move that they made for Matt Duchesne, never been yep. a Duchesne fan. I've always thought, don't trade for him if you're the Wild. He's got problems. But at least, I mean, at least they shot their shot, basically. At least they gave it a go to go get a potential superstar-type player that would change their franchise because they recognized that Kyle Turris is a nice player, but he's not the type of guy, he's not a top pick who's going to guide you. He's kind of one of those top picks that's just turned out to be a pretty solid player where Duchesne has the higher potential. I, Even though it has not worked out, I would still give them credit for that and say I'd rather see the Wild do that and have it blow up in their face than just sit here and end up in ninth place at the end of the season. Because exactly. where they're trending right now, I think that that's where they end up. So, But the problem, but the problem is, is this. The, the guy that owns the team said Stanley Cup or bust. Yep. Your GM, yep. your GM is is reportedly in the last year of his contract, and your head coach was hired and basically told win now. So the whole thing screwed up, and and plus plus in typical wild fashion, what makes this collection to me unlikable is they'll always pop up when the pressure is on. So they'll go on these runs. It it it, it happens during the course of a year. Or it happens during the course of a game when they're down by two goals. They'll frantically, they'll come back. And it's like, well, why didn't you play that that way the entire time? And so it drives you crazy. But I think if you I think if you take a step back and you look at the current climate, you would say to yourself, if I am 
in ninth place at the deadline, and I can barely sneak in and or improve my, my team quite a bit for uh, coming years, I think I would actually take the opportunity to improve my team. Now, the problem is, if Fletcher's in the last year of his contract, there's no way on God's green earth he's going to do that, which pre- presents the conundrum of would he actually make another panic trade to try and improve the team immediately but take on an expiring contract, in which case it would get potentially worse. Uh, I think that that's very possible, that, that if uh, Chuck Fletcher... I thought this was going to be positive. If he feels... Yeah, I know. Well, they had some wins. Uh, if he feels like he's got his back to the wall, that maybe they do make the big hockey trade. I mean, Maybe it's a, that last-ditch effort to get his team to be relevant because tacking on a couple of players to this team at the trade deadline is not going to yep. be enough to make them a Stanley Cup contender. So... Um, what to watch for coming up, by the way, is lots of road games, back-to-back matchups with Nashville, which is going to be pretty tough. Tampa Bay is mixed in there. How about this run? Tampa Bay, Dallas, Nashville, Nashville. Uh, so, I mean, you could be kind of make or break in, in those stretch of games. Uh, you get three, four losses in a row, and this team's going to fall way back. But if you get some wins there, maybe you've got some confidence. So, all right, good hockey talk, Judd. All right, I'm, I'm apologize. I thought it was going to be far more upbeat, but after the back-to-back defeats, it becomes tough. Well, every plus, every time plus you, you get me to that depressing. trade, you always get me to that trade. Well, the Ennis the Ennis Felino trade is an awful trade, and Felino's they just I mean, come on. Hey, oh, by the way, quickly, how the hell are we talking about a league? where Calgary and now the Senators are both basically threatening to move. How could two teams in Canada be threatening to move? And how could you be considering putting another team in Seattle? When you just put a team in Vegas, which I get you want 32, okay? I get that. I get the math. But why are we talking about expansion when you now have the Florida Panthers in major trouble? Carolina's not in good shape, right? Um, Don't look look over there. Just focus on Vegas. They're winning. Isn't this fun? Don't look over there. The Coyotes are never in good shape. Calgary wants a, a new building, which they can't get, so they're ticked off. And now the the owner of the Senators is threatening Ottawa to move, to relocate his team. Where are these teams going? It, Houston. It, it looks. It always has the look. The NHL always has the look of a league that just started ten years ago. Like with MLS, with MLS, it was like, okay, this team works, this team doesn't, we got to move this team, this team's fine. And then after years and years, eventually MLS, you know, sort of established itself and now they don't move teams anymore. But the NHL is still shuffling around like a mess. And until they get rid of this horrendous commissioner, it's going to be that way. But Canada's your, Canada's your haven. I mean, can you have two teams in Canada threatening to move? It's not that's not possible. Honest to God, it's not. Okay, we'll end with that. The league is terrible, and goodbye. <laughs> I love the league. Oh my God, I love the game. Hate the league. Well, I don't understand. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to two hundred dollars off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread, and take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.